0: not think that oh no you're good what were we gonna say i said it's hard to look at it just like on paper and not feel like good about the rams but i mean joe burrow has like the intangible like you know (laughs) what i'm saying like everyone else is standing up at the urinal joe burrow's like leaning up against the back wall pissing and you're just like jesus christ (laughs) this guy like i mean the man's just so swagged out and it's just like
1: I, I don't know that we can bet against the guy, man. He just <laughs> he's he's got the it factor, doesn't he? <laughs> just like tripping over his own dick, but like Dude. nonchalant and doesn't care yeah. about it. Like I'm sure this
0: conversation up. sucks for you because you're a Steelers fan, but man, it's hard to ignore yeah. the fact that Joe Burrow is just he's got the it factor, man. He he just he has it, you know.
1: <laughs> I'm I'm happy to see it. Honestly. Oh, I, I am kidding. too. It's I've hard not sh- to I've like been spank shitting spank on the Steelers it. for the past three years and I yeah. It's, it's the Steelers fans that make me hate the Steelers. Yeah. See, that's the thing about being a Falcons fan, Cody, is there's, there's not
0: fa- fans. <laughs> it's, it's just me. No one on the corner
2: has Swag-a-like us. Swag-a-like us. Swag-a-like us. No one on the corner has Swag-a-like us. Swag-a-like us. Swag-a-like us. No one on the corner has Swag-a-like us.
1: Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We are on to 2022. We're talking about the rookies today. We still have one more game left. I get it, I know. But I I know I speak for myself. I speak for Kev. we, We are just happy to be moving on from the 2021 fantasy football season and officially coming into 2022. The Senior Bowl kicked off this week. Our guy Christian is here with us to talk about some of these rookies as well. So before we jump into it, I just want to get, you know, while the Super Bowl is still here, Christian, give me give me some thoughts on the Super Bowl. Who do you think wins? Who do you think pulls us out?
0: I I think the Super Bowl overall this year is just awesome because we can all just kick back and enjoy it. Like, I I don't know that anyone really hates Matthew Stafford or Joe Burrow. I mean, I feel like these are two of the more likable guys out there. So I, I feel like usually in the Super Bowl, I'm like really having a rooting interest in wanting a team not to win. Um, but, but this year I don't feel that way. I'll, I'll be happy if Stafford actually gets a ring after having to play for Detroit for that long, but man, the Bengals are hard, not to hard, not to like, aren't they? The the swag on Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T Higgins. I mean, I just can't wait to watch the game. I, I know the Rams are favored. The Rams are probably the better team on paper, but I personally think that Joe Burrow has this, this it factor to him. And I think it's a little risky to bet against him.
1: Kev, are are you in a in a good emotional and psychological place to be able to talk about the Super Bowl yet, or should I, should I just give my take and move on?
3: No, I think it's fine. Uh, you know, the Chiefs completely choked. Um, you know, one thing about that game that people have talked about, and like they when I hear about Joe Burrow, is like Joe Burrow didn't win that game for the Bengals. Like it wasn't like Joe Burrow went out and had some like epic epic. Uh, The Chiefs just absolutely choked. Like, I've never seen such a Jekyll and Hyde performance from any quarterback, especially one that's as elite as Mahomes, from the first half to just dominating to the second half. Like, it really – like, at the end of the – game, at the end of the first half, whatever the Chiefs had the ball, it was like five seconds left, and Mahomes makes it just a bonehead throw to Tyree Kill, two yards behind the line of scrimmage, and the the clock runs out, no time left. But, like, from that moment – on they were a completely different team and it was weird because in the second half they were playing a lot of draw, you know only rushing three dropping eight and they just refused to run the ball like every single drive like like run the ball andy but you know they even had the ball you know at the very end of the half you know or at the very end of the fourth quarter could have won there Nope, uh which he got sacked which i've seen the replay a million times and you see travis kelsey just wide open and byron pringle jumping up and down in the end zone like throw me the ball. And you watch Patrick Holmes literally staring right at them. Not doesn't throw it, doesn't throw it, doesn't throw it. And just standing there staring at them. They're both like, throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball. And and then he he does, you know, his little pirouette where he likes to run around and then he got sacked, fumbled, we recovered, kicked field goal, then we lost in overtime. But regardless of that, uh, you
1: know, go Rams. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I would like to see uh, – I, I just want to see, like, a, a good game. I hope we still get, you know, Christian, like you were talking about, the swagged-out Joe Burrow just doing his thing, that that receiving group, the weapons they have. I hope we see a good game. But I am kind of pulling for the Rams just because, I obviously, Stafford's clock and his window is much shorter than Burrow. I, I would love to see – uh, I would love to see Stafford get himself a ring. But I, I just want to see a good game overall, and I'm, I'm fully preparing my body – for the onslaught of props that we are about to get for, for that game as well. But like I said, tonight we're going to be here to talk about just a, a brief overview of the 2022 rookie class. Uh, gonna be talking about the top five names at quarterback, running back, and wide receiver, tight end. I think we can kind of just mention at the at the end very quickly because it too. doesn't <laughs> Kristen says there are two guys that, that we really need to care about. Uh, pull these names. If you guys aren't following Travis may former TF on Twitter, he does a poll every single year. Once the season ends kind of get a consensus feel of where the dynasty community is on these guys. So that's how we're going to uh, rattle off these names. And then we'll add on some names here at the end, but let's kick things off at quarterback. The first quarterback to come off the board in Travis's, uh, the first quarterback to come off the board in Travis's poll was Matt Corral. I will be completely honest. You guys are going to have to carry the conversation here. One, I, I have no idea what I'm looking at when it comes to quarterback. I really don't. And two, I think landing spot is incredibly important for all these guys. So I'm going to give you guys the floor here for the, uh, for the quarterbacks. I'll, I'll just kind of guide us through here. But, Kev, why don't you start it off? Matt Corral, you're th- – Your thoughts, and then Christian follow through after him.
3: Well, I mean, I think that he is one of the more athletic quarterbacks of this class. We saw it last year with his 713 rushing yards and 11 rushing touchdowns. Um, I think he's a great athlete. Like, uh, What's interesting about this this year uh, to me is, one, right now we're not seeing really – if you look at every mock, we don't see any quarterback going in the top five. A lot not even going in the top ten. Um, You know, some mocks you see guys that where you might see uh, two or three quarterbacks going in the first round, others where there's only one or two. Um, this is not a strong class for quarterback this year. In my opinion, there's no slam dunk option. There's no Trevor Lawrence. There's no just obvious guy who, you know, everybody's going to want. I think that everybody's going to be all over the board. But Matt Corral kind of seems like he has all the tools uh, to be a you know, solid NFL quarterback, much like in the, the frame that we've seen a lot of these other quarterbacks uh, that, that have come over the last four or five years, has the athleticism to be a rushing quarterback. Uh, you know, he's not you know, necessarily a Lamar Jackson type, but definitely has the tools to be uh, athletic enough to be able to you know, probably get you know, three, 500 yards, somewhere right around there um, in terms of rushing yards. It's going to be landing spot depending on where he ends up. But, you know, last year in 13 games, that over 3,300 yards, uh, 67% completion percentage, 20 touchdowns, five interceptions. Um, So uh, I I think that he is one of the more, uh, I think, obvious options um, in terms of it. I think probably more consensus of probably being the QB1 in this. But I do think there's another guy who we'll talk about that I think that I like the most. But uh, I do think Matt Corral uh, has, has the ability to be a pretty solid NFL quarterback.
0: Yeah, Kev, hit it on the head there with with Matt Corral. It's really the tools. Um, you know, he he's got the big arm. He, he's a, a high pedigreed prospect coming out of high school. He's obviously playing with Lane Kiffin there at Ole Miss, and and the rushing. I mean, he's not like a Lamar Jackson type guy, like Kev said. He's not the kind of guy where think it's going to rush for a thousand yards in the pros. But but think of your your Aaron Rodgers kind of guys. Uh, that that's Matt Corral. He can escape. He 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 can he can burn you for for, for a big rushing game. Ole Miss played against my Vols this year, and Matt Corral actually ran for over 200 yards against us in that game. So, I mean, he has that type of ceiling if he wants to do it. That's not really his game, though. Uh, he, he got pretty banged up in that game, running the ball that much, and it really was kind of a turning point in his season. Those, those numbers that Kev brought up, the the, the 3,300 passing yards, the 22 TDs, that was on pace to be like a, a Heisman campaign there before he got banged up in that game. He, he was the Heisman favorite coming into that game, and then after running the ball that much, getting banged up, it just wasn't the same there for the next month after that. And he kind of lost his footing on that. But this was a guy that I, I was convinced was going to win the Heisman halfway through this season. And if you look at the film from the first half of this season when he was fully healthy, I mean, it, it was an impressive-looking top half of the first-round quarterback, in my opinion. And like Kev said, this this group is not a perfect group. There's not a Trevor Lawrence. There's, there's not a Justin Fields. Um, you know, so, so none of these guys are perfect. So you're really looking to see who has who shown the ceiling that we're looking for and, and who has the traits that can transition to the next level. And I think we've seen that ceiling and that Matt Corral also possesses those traits we're looking for.
1: We talked about this next guy a little bit before we jumped on. Uh, I think you guys are both on the same page and not wanting him or you would, you would not rank him as the number two quarterback. And that is someone who came out of really nowhere. Fifth year senior Kenny Pickett coming out of Pitt was a second quarterback off the board, like I said, in Travis's, you know, Twitter poll mock kind of thing. Uh, thoughts on Kenny Pickett? I mean, obviously, as a Penn State guy, I am not down with this at all. It just really doesn't make sense to me. I mean, you're looking at someone who his best year was uh, junior year 2019, th- just barely over 3,000 yards, came through in his fifth year, senior year, you know, 4,300 yards. 42 touchdowns but before that 13 13 and 12 going back to 2018 and obviously just absolutely explodes in 2021 but i uh, would love to hear you guys just shit on kenny pickett for for no other reason than you know me just being a penn state guy so let's hear it i'm not gonna
0: shit on him i mean i mean his his season this year was very impressive and i mean it looks good on film too i mean he, he put out some good tape this year um but but like you said i mean it's just been a it, not a roller coaster at all it's really been non-existent and, and until now you know 12 13 13 and then 42 you know that that 42 is kind of standing out as the anomaly here and it's not that we haven't seen that before i mean the guy we were just talking about with the super bowl joe burrow kind of had one of those seasons for lsu right but again that was at lsu in the sec and you know it, to me that's a different deal like i i understand the pittsburghs in the acc it's a good conference but you know there's just not a big enough sample size for for the type of film that we saw from him this year for me to believe that it's sustainable to, to, to translate into the pros that way. And, and again, I mean, top 10 capital, I mean, Mel Kuyper's hyping up this guy is getting some serious, like, you know, top end of the draft capital. And I just, I don't see it like no track record at all. And really no, no popping out at you athletic skill or anything like some other guys we'll talk about here. So I'm not seeing what the craze about him is. I don't think he's, he's terrible, but uh, he's the quarterback four for me. Um, of the four we're going to talk about in this group.
3: Same. I mean, he is a older player, obviously, uh, the oldest of this group. And this is already a, a quarterback class that's very old in general, as, as it is, um, 23.6 uh, right now. I mean, he's going to be almost 24 by the time the season starts. And I think there is something to be said about his age, being that this was his fifth year. I mean, he's playing against much younger players and stuff like that. And so the experience that he brings to the table, it is odd. I mean, just how the massive jump that we see from him from, you know, from year to year uh, to this final year that he had, um, I mean, just – for a comparison, though, I mean, for his career, he has a 60.9 QBR. Which, if you're not really familiar with, with that number, uh, 50 is about as average as it gets. So, uh, 60.9 for his career is uh, hashtag not good uh, for for uh, for him, especially for a quarterback playing at uh, Pitt. Um, you know, we're not talking about a quarterback that played in the SEC for his entire career or anything like that. So. Um, I I think that he is probably the safest option. Probably uh, I, th- I think you could look if you want to look at him like that um, in terms of you know of what he brings to the table. But I, I am not high on him whatsoever. Uh, I as well have him as my QB four, so mm-hmm. um, borderline QB five, really. So
0: yeah, I know people Depends- like Comps Kuiper. Comped him to Derek Carr. Yesterday and the alternate comp being Colt McCoy. So if you're into Derek Carr and Colt McCoy, with with Carr being the ceiling, uh, that that's the way Kyper uh, views this guy, and he's excited about
3: that. I, I personally am not excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> two two different uh, completely range of outcome there, but
1: yeah, yeah. My God, how can you be so high on a guy and then give those as the as the comps? That is a. Uh... That's wild. I did not see that, but uh, I'm more than happy to not draft.
0: But, but again, Pickett.
1: before we move on from Pickett,
0: right, like we, we don't have the sample size. Like we're going to talk about Sam Howell eventually, who started from day one as a freshman at North Carolina and the SEC. We've seen him play, what, 40 games? You know, um, we, we may have seen Pickett play 40 games, but a lot of them weren't pretty early on. You know, but if the NFL decides that this guy is the, a stud and gets top five draft capital, He's going to be a first-round pick in our superflex rookie drafts and dynasty. So, I mean, whether we like it or not, this isn't something we can ignore if the NFL drafts him with that type of capital. So, we'll see what happens over the next couple of months, and that's going to be kind of a recurring theme of, of, of tonight. There's
1: a lot still to happen with this class. Yeah, you mentioned Sam Howell. And that is who comes up next. Like you mentioned, has been doing it since his freshman year. Thirty-six hundred yards, thirty-five hundred yards. Fell back a little bit in twenty twenty-one. Uh, you know, under 3,100 yards, but still 38, 30, 24 touchdowns. I, I saw there was a lot of dismissiveness around how, you know, basically since the beginning of the year with, you know, with him not doing as well. And there was a lot of hype for him going into the year, but let's not forget that like North Carolina is not a stomping ground, you know, a, a, one of these blue blood programs. And then he lost, I, you know, obviously a running back Javante Williams, Michael Carter, Daz Newsome, Deami Brown, and he still was able to put up you know, a pretty respectable year, in my opinion. Like I said, obviously he fell down from where he was the first two years, but it, is this just kind of people falling into recency bias? Do you think there's more reason to, to be excited with Sam Howe? and uh, where do you guys have him? Kev, kick it off, and then we'll get Christian's thoughts after that.
3: For Sam Howe, I mean, I think that. You know, I I think that if you look at a lot of stuff that he does, I mean, there's moments of greatness whenever you watch him, but there's also a lot of moments where you're wondering what he was thinking, um, overthrows, underthrows. He certainly has the athleticism uh, as well. I mean, he broke just an absolutely absurd 63 tackles uh, this year as a runner um, and, you know, had over a 1,000 rushing yards, I believe. Uh, And um, But for Sam Howell, like – I, again, I, I think he's another guy that kind of go a lot of different directions. Um, I'm not overly excited about him. Uh, I actually have him at five uh, currently. Um, I don't – I mean, I think if he is a first-round guy, I think he's more of a late first-round guy, maybe one of these teams that jump back up, try to grab a quarterback late in the first round. Um, he doesn't strike me as a guy that uh, I'm overly that, that excited about. But I think, again, uh, somebody that maybe sits a couple of years, maybe has the tools to be um, – you know, maybe a starter a little bit down the road.
0: Yeah, so I, I definitely don't see him getting like top of the first round draft capital. You know, he's more of a back end of the first, early second kind of guy. But I think whatever team takes him, it, it's not going to be like a Kellen Mond uh, type situation where where they're just taking him because he's a good player. Like I think whoever drafts him is, is intending for him to be a starter and will ride him out through his rookie contract. This is a guy, like I said, that started from day one as a freshman in North Carolina and, and passed for, 10,000 yards in three years and 92 touchdowns. I mean, so we're talking about that, you know, that 3,000 yard passing mark that we want to see most of these guys get to. He's done that every year in North Carolina and, and averaged what, 3,300 yards and 30 touchdowns per year since he's been there. And Kev mentioned the mobility. Uh, this is a thick guy. I mean, this guy's like 220 pounds at just 6'1. He kind of looks like Baker Mayfield, so that's a comp people get a lot, but I really think it's mainly just because he looks like him in, in the face quite a bit. They're, they're playing stylist kind of similar. Um, you know, Baker can, can get out there and run a little bit. Um, but, but Howell is a, a, a big, thick guy that breaks tackles when he's running the ball. He has that mobility that the NFL is looking for. Um, and this guy's arm is huge, like it, it's kind of underrated. I think people don't realize that Sam Howell has a big arm, but. You know, I, I think it's really just recency bias because his junior year was the worst of his three years. And it's kind of prospect fatigue. We've been talking about Sam Howell for three years, you know, and, and your question, Cody, was, should we be excited? We shouldn't be excited. I mean, he's not an elite prospect. Like, so we're shooting for like a Baker Mayfield type outcome here where, where we're looking at. Hopefully he's a quarterback, two for us for four or five years and can land a second contract. So to me, that doesn't get me excited. But, again, at the back end of, of the first round in a Dynasty Superflex rookie draft, I mean, if I know this guy's a starting quarterback in the NFL for for four years or so, I mean, that's worth that kind of capital there. So this is a guy I feel like is getting faded a little bit right now, but I think a lot of it's prospect fatigue and recency bias. This guy's had a tremendous career and has enough of the traits the NFL's looking for to be beneficial to our fantasy teams. I
1: think he's one of those guys, too, that, like, isn't going to elevate the people around him, right? But if you put him in a good situation, like I think he can be like a a high end QB two for for fantasy purposes, and I hope he falls because because I like him and you know like you're talking about Christian back end of you know round one in your super flex drafts. I'll be I'll be all about that life. Uh, next guy up, you were talking about you know some of this rushing ability and you know having a, a massive arm, Christian. You're a guy that you have been on you know since. What the halfway through last season, I think you started kind of floating his name out there and, you know, getting us excited about him. Uh, Someone who transferred to Liberty from Auburn, and that is Malik Willis, a.k.a. Mr. Senior Bowl. It appears Christian, I'm going to throw it right back to you, man. Wax poetic about Malik Willis. And, you know, I I know this is someone that you are excited about. And I'm also curious to know where do you have him ranked in this class?
0: Yeah, I am excited about him. I've got him QB2 uh, in the class, and I have been talking about him for a while. And uh, you didn't give me enough justice there, Cody. It wasn't halfway through last season. It was actually in about, like, April uh, when me and Lang were, were doing the Debbie Pod. I was hyping up Malik Willis as the QB3 uh, in the class at the time, and I bumped him up one spot to QB2. Um, I've got him behind Matt Corral. Um, and and with, with Willis, I mean, he's playing at a lower level. So think last year to Trey Lance playing at uh, North Dakota State – Malik Willis plays at Liberty. So you're going to have a lot of those same questions like, has he played against NFL defenders? You know, are we only seeing these highlight type plays because of who he's playing against? And Trey Lance was a much better college player. I feel like he didn't make as many mistakes. I mean, Trey Lance had that one season where he didn't even throw an interception. Right. You're going to see Malik Willis throw some disgusting uh, interceptions, some bad decision making sometime. I mean, this guy is not a polished prospect but you want to talk about a big arm, you want to talk about athleticism, you want to talk about a potential 1000-yard rusher for us in fantasy football at the quarterback position which we see now with like a Jalen Hurts, you know, no one thinks Jalen Hurts is like this tremendous passer, but what will see the, definitely a top 10 quarterback in fantasy football this year, right? So, in fantasy football, which is what we're talking about here, Malik Willis is a cheat code. I mean, if this guy can figure it out passing whatsoever, it's tremendous. I mean, look at the two starts we got from Trey Lance this year, maybe not starts, but the two appearances we got from Lance this year, he was scoring 20, 25 fantasy points without even throwing any touchdowns because of the the rushing. And that's, that's what we're looking at with Malik Willis. I mean, this is never going to be a guy that's going to be throwing four touchdown games. I don't think, I mean, he has a huge arm, but I don't think he's ever going to be that polished of a passer to to be putting up big, big numbers like that. But this is a Jalen hurts for us in fantasy to where I feel like at least on a rookie contract we can get three four good years of this guy out of fantasy if he can figure out the passing at any point kind of like what we saw from Josh Allen we don't need to see that kind of leap but if we can see some notable improvement on his passing like that on the rookie contract this is a guy we can ride for seven eight years that's going to be providing us some some rushing on on the ground and this man's been lighting it up at senior bowl today apparently (laughs) if you're you guys have been on Twitter today everyone's talking about Malik Willis today and how good he looks at the senior bowl and how he separated himself from the other guys there so this is a guy like like I said last year at this time. The closer we get to the draft, and we're we're seeing these guys, you know, running the forty in underwear and stuff. Malik Willis is only going to increase in value when that stuff is happening because he is an impressive athlete. So I think the closer we get to the NFL draft, the higher you're going to see his projected capital be. If he lands top half of the first round capital, and you're not taking this guy top five in your super flex drafts, you're making a mistake.
1: Yeah, his his arm strength reminds me of. Josh Allen, just in the in the sense of like how effortless it is. Like you just kind of see him like flick his wrist and all of a sudden you're like, okay, what is that? Like a 20 yard, you know, deep out or something, and the, the ball's traveling fifty yards downfield on you know, and some of the, the highlights that I've seen of him. Kev, anything else to add there to Malik Willis? Oh, and I mean actually, I mean, shout out to uh, I mean Christian because uh I remember the
3: video that he did I mean, this was I think it was like May or time frame or something like that, whenever he did like his top five Debbie quarterback or something like that. And that, I mean, I'm, I'm not somebody who follows college football, so I had, it, it was interesting for me because, you know, I was getting a little insight to some of who these guys were, and as soon as you start talking about Malik Willis, like, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm going to be interested in this guy whenever he comes out, and uh, sure enough, uh, here, here we are, and um, I have him as my QB1 um, uh, for this class, and uh i think he does need to go to the right spot landing spot is going to be a factor here but if he can go to a team that knows how that can utilize him correctly uh, and he can be somebody that kind of you know takes that step forward through uh because if you look i mean last year he had 19 turnover worthy plays uh but he also had a ridiculous 36 big time throws so it's just kind of uh give and take with him obviously tremendous athleticism so um, you know, I, I like Malik Willis, and uh, I think he, he does have the potential if, if we continue on this path where you know we're kind of seeing this senior bowl, um, this senior bowl uh bump for him. You know, uh, maybe he's somebody that somebody like the Lions look to take. I mean, they're obviously there, their coaching staff is there watching him, Um, you know, not with their first pick, uh, I believe they have a second round or they, they have a late first, uh, because they do own the 49ers pick, I do believe. Uh, or the Rams. Or I think it's the Rams pick. Yes, it's the Rams pick that they own uh, from the Jared Goff trade. So I'm possibly there where you can see them possibly maybe trade up a little bit and grab him. But I think landing spot dependent, I think Malik Willis uh, could end up being the, the top quarterback in this, at least for a fantasy perspective.
0: I'd love to see him go to Washington. I feel like they got a lot of good pieces around him there. The commanders. Uh,
3: the, the, the the command.
0: Commanders. Yeah. Man, I'm gonna miss <laughs> calling them the football team. I actually enjoyed the football team. The the commanders is kind of lame hate it. But yeah, I, I liked it. The WFT, like uh, you know, abbreviation. I got used to it. What do you
3: think about their that, new name though?
0: I, I think it's lame. It's not as bad as the Cleveland Guardians, but it's pretty bad. How do you think about it for two years and you end up with commanders? Yeah, and I know honestly, like, It you like the it
3: seems like fan base, like the, the fan base wanted like the Red Wolves, which sounded so much yeah. better. I'm like, okay, I like that. Yeah, I saw a lot of like good. fans mock up like logos and stuff, and it looked awesome. I'm like, it's like everybody either wanted that or the Red Hogs, which is whatever, or Red Tails. But yeah. like, you come out with the Commanders. And, like, and yeah. it is so like, so like, cause like, it's like everybody's gonna call them the commies, you know? And it's like, yeah. it was, it's right there. Like, it yeah. was like, how, like, like, you had all this time to think about this, and that's what you came up with. I will say their uniforms are sick. I do like those. Uh, they're, they're, the, the uniforms look nice. I don't like the new I'm W, though. Like. The W the, they were on using the black. with
4: the,
0: the football team was, like, such a clean-looking W. The new one, everyone's been making fun of it today. It looks like one of those taco holders at, like, Chili's, the the new one that they're using.
3: I don't mind that, but on their black uh, alternative uniform, I will say that I don't know why they put the W at the front of the helmet, the crown of the helmet. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they did that. That was kind of weird, but yeah, other than that, I thought the uniforms actually look pretty nice. So, uh, but yeah, the Washington commanders, that's going to take some, a minute to use saying.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I- the Raiders, I got used to saying Vegas pretty quickly. I don't I don't even know that I'll say Commanders for like two or three or, years. Or the I'm, Sentinels. I'm going to I'm gonna have to let some time go by before I'm comfortable saying Could
3: you imagine, That's what they should have went with, was the Sentinels. That would have been amazing. Have Shane Falkill run out on the field, you know, yeah. opening press conference, you know.
0: Yeah, I think the fans wanted the word red in there just to be familiar. Oh, the Red Wolves, the, the whatever, you know. But they wanted something to do with like Washington, D.C. And they're like, oh, Commander, like in the military, let's do that, you know. So... I just think it was, you know, two years not well spent.
1: Nah, they're they're going to be the uh, the football team for for at least another two years, like you were like you were saying, Christian. Not not calling yeah. the the Commanders. So we have one more uh, quarterback to talk about here, who is on the opposite spectrum when it comes to rushing ability than Malik Willis, another Senior Bowl guy as well, and that is Carson Strong. Back to back seventy percent completion percentage uh, seasons. Threw up over four thousand yards in his senior year, thirty-six touchdowns. Guy's been doing it for a while, but has been referred to as a as an absolute statue in the pocket. So, uh, just quick thoughts on him, and then we can start talking about some of these running backs for twenty twenty two. Yeah, I think
0: I think he's got an NFL arm. He's been productive, um, you know. But it's it's at Nevada, you know. Again, people are gonna you know not not like that. It's not in a major conference, but you know he's got a big arm. He's a big guy. Uh, but he he is literally a statue. I mean, the guy does not get out of the pocket. Like people were excited that he ran like five yards today at senior ball practice out of the pocket. I mean, this dude literally just stands still when he gets back there. But big arm, very productive. Um, you know, he's he's gonna be, I, I believe, a day two pick. You know, second or third round. I mean, he'll be a, probably a career backup, but you know, may get in there for a little bit. But he's he's definitely somebody to keep on the radar in like the the late third round, I'd say, of your uh, rookie drafts.
1: Well, there you have it. Let's not even waste any time on Desmond Ritter. Let's go ahead and move over to the running backs. And I I will say just to kick things off is I think we have like a bunch of like David Montgomery's in this class, which isn't meant as a slight because we love David Montgomery here on the TFA pod. But like it's just a bunch of like really solid backs. And then if they land in a spot where they're going to be getting a bunch of volume, all in. Absolutely fine with me. But again, let's go through this on how it came out on Travis's uh, Twitter polls. RB1 off the board is Brees Hall out of Iowa State, listed 6'1", 220 pounds, over 1,100 total yards and 10 touchdowns. The true freshman followed that up with back-to-back 1,700-yard all-purpose seasons and had 23 total touchdowns in both years as well. thing I uh, really like seeing with him, he had reception totals of 23, 23, and 36. So
2: hmm.
1: uh, you know, obviously capable in the receiving game as well. So Christian, uh, thoughts on Mr. Brees Hall here.
0: Brees Hall's my running back one in this class, has been my running back one in this class. You can go back and watch the video that I did last year, and and he was still the running back one at this point, And you know everything I thought about him he delivered on again this year and 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 then some as you mentioned those 36 catches i mean he had yeah. 23 both his freshman year and his sophomore year but an extra 13 this year like that's nice 36 catches you don't see that often from from a college running back coming in but like you mentioned back to back 1700 scrimmage yard seasons and 46 touchdowns over the last 2 years so this is one of those guys to where the the production's just jaw dropping um, you may have like the small group of people that'll be like, oh, he, he carried the ball too much in college. He's got too much wear and tear. But I'm not buying into that. This guy has shown us for three years he has stayed healthy, played all 12 games all three years and was an absolute stud uh, for Iowa State the whole way. And it's funny you said David Montgomery, who also played for Iowa State, because yeah. it's honestly a pretty decent comp. Like Brees Hall is not the fastest guy. He's not the strongest guy. He's not the most elusive guy, but he's good at absolutely everything. Um, he's just a, a balanced running back that you can uh, uh, kind of like what we're looking at with Najee Harris with the Steelers. Like I think Harris is probably a better running back than Hall. Maybe they're, pre- they're pretty close, but if Brees Hall lands in a spot where he can see any type of volume like that, he's just going to deliver. I mean, the man, the, he, he's just a good all around running back that has increased his stock this year, in my opinion, because of that pass catching that he's shown. So I don't feel you can go wrong with Brees Hall. You know, he, he's not going to jaw drop you with with any like 90-yard touchdown runs with, with breakaway speed or anything like that. But, I mean, if you're looking for, for five, six yards of carry potentially and just a guy that can contribute and stay on the field for all three downs, I think Brees Hall's your guy.
3: I think it's interesting with Brees Hall because he claims that he can run a, a sub 4-4. Four, four. He, he can run a 4-3. Um, not on that, that's what If he that's
0: runs like, a 4-3, he's going to go in the first round. I just don't see that happening.
3: Yeah, that we'll, we'll see. Um, I didn't necessarily see it while watching him. Um, mm-hmm. that, that that, but I will say this: I didn't think that Jonathan Taylor was going to rub a sub a sub four four either. Um, like by watching him either. Like so, I, I don't know. We'll see on him uh, if he does come out and run something like that. That is going to be uh, very uh, tantalizing. Um, I also didn't think that he was an incredible, uh, you know, tackle breaker or anything like that um, either. Um, but I, th- I think that he is cl- the clear RB one, though, for me. Like uh, he's he's in his own tier, in my opinion. Uh, I we will get to, we'll see if there's anybody else that gets to his tier for me. But right now, he is the clear RB one in this class. Um, he's kind of the total package, the guy that, that can be a three down back that that is, that is proven to be a great pass catcher. Because I think you have you know, somebody like, I guess we could, you know, Kenneth Walker who never was utilized as a pass catcher. Now is that scheme? Is that, is that, is that because of Michigan state not really wanting to throw the ball to him? And that is why he did not um, really get utilized at all as a pass catcher, only 13 receptions uh, this past year for him. But so we'll see on that because does he turn out to be a guy, that's very like a, a Nick Chubb, not the type of player, but very much like where he's just kind of a first, second down running back. And, you know, I, I think, but I, I don't think the David Montgomery comp for Brees Hall. I don't, I, I, I don't think that he's that either. Because Brees Hall, because David Montgomery was tremendous, uh, you know, broken tackle guy. That was kind of one of the big things everybody talked about him until Javante Williams came around and just smashed uh, that expectation of what we thought those guys should be. But uh, Brees Hall, uh, not that uh, that I that I saw from him. But you know, then you have somebody like Kenneth Walker who. I 30 plus or 30 runs of 15 plus yards last year, 80 missed tackles, but only 13 receptions. So there is that question mark. Can he be a, a pass catcher? But that is also tough because we've seen a lot of running backs. I mean, look at Leonard Fournette, for example, uh, coming out whenever he was coming out, never utilizes a pass catcher. He got dinged for that. But, you know, as we've seen through his career, that he is more than a more than a capable pass catcher.
0: Yeah, Wake Forest didn't throw the ball to Walker either. He only had six catches there in the two years at Wake Forest. So yeah. it wasn't just Michigan State. He has less than 20 catches in his entire career. So, you know, I think it's a valid concern, but but like you mentioned with Fournette, you know, it may, it may not be that he can't do it. It may not be that it, – it could just be that the teams he played for didn't want to play that way. But under 20 receptions in three years is a little concerning.
1: The, uh, the one thing that I didn't care for with Brees Hall is like I felt like he like danced around a little too much for my liking with without having that plus athletic ability to like kind of get away with doing it. You know, what I mean like a like a Saquon Barkley. Obviously two completely different backs, but like you would see Saquon Barkley be indecisive and dance around. But then he would also rip off an 85 yard touchdown because he was an athletic freak. I feel like Brees Hall like does similar things behind the line of scrimmage but like he does like just just hit the hole. Like I would love to see him just go to a a power run scheme, and have the, the coaches there coach him up and just be like, okay, here's your gap. Just go. Just run. Just, what do you, you think about him coming to Atlanta, line, baby? Play for Arthur Smith on the Falcons. Let's go. And have Cordero Patterson come through and just crush your dreams. See, a agent.
0: Yeah, see, Pat's he, a free agent. If, even if we bring him back, he could be like a Swiss Army knife, man. Arthur Smith needs a big back to pound the rock with. You know, the Falcons are going to get one of these backs this year. We're, we're not rolling with the, you know, 33-year-olds and, and Mike Davis again this year. We're going to get one of these guys.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. One, <laughs> one of these running backs lands in a spot like that. I'm I'm all for it. Now, Isaiah Spiller was second, but we were talking about Kenneth Walker. So let's just finish up our discussion on him before we bounce back to Isaiah Spiller. Uh, listed at 5'10", 210 pounds, Christian, like you were mentioning, Transferred from Wake Forest and just absolutely crushed this year. Was in the running, I think he was a Heisman favorite for yeah. for a few yeah. weeks there. Uh, over 1,600 yards on the ground, 18 touchdowns. You guys were already talking about his lack of pass catching. The only thing that I will I will add on here is in the I did kind of like a, a walkthrough with a bunch of these running backs. I didn't really do my my deep dives yet. That'll be coming out once we start pounding out these uh, these player profile videos for you all. But I thought whenever he was throwing the ball, he was very capable as a pass catcher. He just wasn't getting the targets. And like like you guys are saying, like, is that – did they not trust him in that aspect? Was it just not a part of their offense? Like, we're, we're not really sure. But he didn't look like, you know, uh, A.J. Dillon at Boston College, right, where, like, you threw him the ball and it literally looked like he had a spoon for one hand and a center block for the other and was trying to catch the ball. Like, he just did not look like a natural pass catcher. Listed at 210, obviously a little bit smaller than some of these other guys, but I'll be honest, man. Again, just a, a brief walkthrough. I, maybe it's the fact that like I enjoyed watching him a little bit more, but I thought he was more decisive. I thought he lowered the shoulder better than the the top two guys on here, more athletic than Hall and Spiller as well. But then he, he also doesn't have the track record, right? Hall and Spiller both have multiple years of doing it year after year after year more involved in the pass-catching game. But I really like Kenneth Walker, and I'm going to be excited to see where he ends up, uh, you know, in the, in the NFL draft in terms of the team and his draft capital. But curious to hear what you guys have on, on Walker. Any additional thoughts?
0: You won't get much argument from me that he's better on the ground. Like, if you're looking at, like like head said, the Nick Chubb type runner, that's just your first and second down type back. I mean that that's probably Walker. Like I said, he is more decisive. He, he he is willing to lower the shoulder. I mean the what he put together on the uh, on the ground this year was just absolutely insane to watch. But the other two guys we're talking about here that are contenders for the RB one in this class, Brees Hall and Isaiah Spiller, who we haven't dove into just yet. But both of those guys have over 20 catches all three years. Yeah. So like again, we're talking about fantasy football, kind of like what we talked about with Malik Willis and the rushing. I think most of us are playing PPR in, in 2022 at this point, or at least half PPR, right? The Brees Hall and Isaiah Spiller have shown us for three years that they can contribute enough in the passing game to be a factor in fantasy football. Kenneth Walker hasn't even hit 20 total in three years, so we can't ignore that. And, and, and he, he wasn't putting up the, the 1,800 rushing yards at Wake Forest. I mean, he was efficient, but he wasn't a Heisman contender there. So we're getting like literally yeah. kind of what we talked about with Pickett, one like Heisman-type year. Um, but with some concerns there, you know, so I, I could easily see a situation where we're looking back four years from now and, and Kenneth Walker was the best back in this class. He, he you know, he, he could catch passes. He's being used that way in the NFL. But right now with, with the information we have, I, I've got him at that three spot just because that's a concern for me. And I think the other two guys ahead of him are, are solid across the board. So um, I, I like him. Um, I've got him in the RB3. I think he's worthy of a first-round pick in your rookie drafts, but um, I, I need to see him prove it a little bit on the uh, the pass catching end.
1: So Spiller was the number two running back off of uh, Travis's Twitter poll mock, uh, listed at 6'1", 215, so that's similar body type to Brees Hall. He did split touches more often than Hall did, so his production profile like isn't as impressive as Hall's, but still had over 1,100 total yards as a freshman. Back-to-back 1,200-yard campaigns in his sophomore and junior season, and had at least 20 or more receptions in every season as well. So a nice feather in his cap there, to me. And I'll let you guys uh, chop it up about Spiller, but like he and Hall are very, very similar to me in terms of like their their running style, just their overall athleticism. I I will say that Spiller does have a little bit more burst coming out of his cuts. So like whenever he plants or makes a juke or changes direction, he does have that initial pop out of those cuts uh, compared to Brees Hall. But both are very similar in terms of like just really good at everything, not great at anything, average athlete kind of thing. Um, Christian, why don't you start us off here? Your thoughts on Isaiah Spiller.
0: Yeah. Well, you kind of just hit it on the head there athletically. Like they're, they're very similar. They're, they both have the size. Like I think Spiller's just under 220, but they're, they're both there in the 200s. Like these are not guys where we have size concerns or anything like that. Yeah. Um, as you mentioned, they're, they're very balanced overall skill sets. And when you, when you're looking at uh, Spiller stats, it's kind of like Brees Hall stats, just like cut in half. Cause like you said, he was splitting time with like guys like Devin Chain and all those talented guys that Texas A&M has. Iowa State's roster is obviously not uh, where, where A&M's yeah. is, um, but it, it When you look at Spiller's stats, like literally as a freshman, he rushed for 946 yards and had 29 catches. So almost a thousand yards over that 20 catches mark. Nice freshman year, right? Comes back sophomore year, cracks the thousand yards rushing and has another 20 catches. So it hits both of those metrics again. And then this year, another thousand yards and another 25 catches. So kind of like I said about Brees Hall, like just reliable, same, you know what you're getting, same thing every day. That's Isaiah Spiller. Um, we just haven't seen the the forty six touchdowns or whatever the past two years like Hall has. Like for me, like Hall has just delivered like Jonathan Taylor style at Wisconsin. Like he's been the best running back in college football as far as like stats go for for a couple of years now. Um, and Spiller's flashed that. Like I said, it's just not as large of a sample size. Uh, what he does have going for him, though, like you said, is he is a little bit more nimble of an athlete than Brees Hall. He does pop out of his cuts and stuff a little bit faster than Hall does. But I think Hall's a little bit better on the receiving end. We saw the 36 catches this year, and I think Brees Hall runs a little bit better of a route tree. It's not all just screens and everything like that. Hall's a little bit better um, actually getting out there and running routes. But these two guys are close. It's really going to be landing spot dependent. If one of these guys lands in a committee and one of them lands in a situation where they're looking at crazy volume, you're, you're going to take the volume. But I, I think that Spiller has always been a, a committee back like he's always split work and that's kind of where the NFL is at right now most teams want to split work I think he's a, pr- a prime guy to be sharing a backfield with somebody so maybe he's a guy you're uh, the Jets you know want to share Michael Carter with who knows you know but a situation like that I could see going w- with Spiller I think a team that wants a bell cow is, is going to get Brees Hall so that's the difference for me is that Brees Hall is going to be one of those guys that's a very high volume player Spiller is going to be more of the Splitting work, he's going to have to rely a lot more on his efficiency, but very similar skill sets, very similar prospects, landing spots going to determine a lot between those two.
3: I I think he's a guy that has, uh, you know, really good contact balance, somebody that, you know, when he goes to the hole, he's he's not somebody that, uh, you know, goes down a lot on first on first contact, especially in the open field. Um you know, uh, this, ball security is a little bit of an issue, but, you know, we'll, we'll see on that. He did have eight fumbles. He fumbled the ball eight times over the th- over his three-year career. But um, I, I would agree with everything you guys brought to the table with him. Uh, so uh, I, to be, I, I think it's kind of, for the most part, with these running backs, it's kind of these three guys, in my opinion. And then there's that tear that, that break to the, okay, now you could probably uh, start having a conversation about who, who, who deserves to be in the, the conversation with
1: the rest. Next guy up after that is Kyron Williams out of Notre Dame, listed at 5'9", 199, had a massive sophomore season, over 1,400 yards from scrimmage, 14 total touchdowns, had similar numbers in 2021, over 1,300 total yards and 17 touchdowns. The thing we absolutely love to see here, the dude had 35 and 42 receptions in the past two seasons. The the one thing that, like, I I, I guess I get, right, 5'9", 199, he doesn't, he's not listed at the biggest size see people knocking for him that and he's like just a, a, a change of pace kind of back. I don't necessarily agree with that because there's definitely enough instances on tape of him lowering the shoulder, stiff arming people, running through tackles and things like that. But curious to get your guys thoughts, you know, is, is he just a change of pace back? What kind of role do you see for him? And like what? Let, let, let's just put like an arbitrary number on here. Let's say he comes in the combine and like, Two oh five, Like, is that good enough for you? What do you guys want to see out of Kyron Williams to make him feel – to make you guys feel a little bit more comfortable with him? Or do you not need to see anything at all? I guess just your general overall thoughts on Kyron Williams.
3: I I think – I'll say this. I think some of the debate on size, I think, is a little bit overblown. One, how many running backs do you have in the NFL that are just pure – just it's their backfield completely? Like, everybody's in a committee. Every team has a committee. Right, and so I think some of the stuff is just completely overblown about size, uh, and and some of the stuff you know everybody wants their guys to be six foot, two hundred twenty pounds. You know, we've seen plenty of running backs that aren't that size that have been able to, you know, Austin Eckler, you know, Aaron Jones, Christian McCaffrey. You know, a lot of these guys all had co- you know uh, you know concerns about their size, and have proven to be you know solid NFL running backs, so uh, or elite uh, <laughs> NFL running backs for that matter, but. Um, So I think some of that stuff is just a little bit overblown in terms of, you know, how big somebody is and, you know, that, that, that being a big concern.
0: Yeah. I don't think everyone needs to be 220, but I mean, there's very few running backs under 200 that are finishing RB one or RB two for us in fantasy football. So, I mean, it is something to, to keep your eye on. So, I mean, I'm not one of these, especially with Williams, like we'll get to a group of smaller backs here in a little bit, but, like you said, Cody, when you're watching Kyron Williams, I mean, this guy thinks he's 220. Like this guy is punishing people out there. I mean, this is a smaller guy, but he runs so physical, and and he packs a punch. Like, um, he's a guy that again, before this season, I had him at RB four, and I I still have him at RB four. So this guy's this guy's one that I he he kind of was who I thought he was, and uh, if anything, he impressed me more uh, than than what I originally thought about him this year. Like he delivered again. I mean, he put up huge numbers yet again. And like you say, Cody, if he, if he weighs in over 200 pounds, watch out. I mean, you're going to see his stock really rise up because I I don't know how many people that play dynasty or, or do what we do actually watch the film. I know there's a big, you know, are you analytics? Are you film? I'm more so not either. I kind of collect data from both. You know, I watch a little bit of film. I I check the analytics, you know, I'm more of a value type guy with the way I play fantasy football, but uh, this is a guy, if he weighs 205, Cody, you're, you're going to see this guy flying up the charts and maybe get that back end of the first round uh, draft capital like you saw, I guess, like Sermon and Carter flirting with last year if the wide receivers weren't as deep as they were. But I, I like Karen Williams. Count me in on him.
1: Yeah, I mean, my thing, biggest thing with him like, wasn't necessarily size because, like I said, he definitely runs bigger than what he's listed at for his size, I would like to see him be like a little bit more athletic. Like he's, he's not a bad athlete, but when I think about like, you know, 200 pound running backs, like I want to see like more of like, he gets the ball kind of like shot out of a cannon type of type of runs. Like I said, not a bad athlete. He, he's above average for sure, but he's kind of like that, you know, Devin Singletary, Michael Carter ish, you know, type type of size where they're, they're, they're not great athletes, but but they get it done time and time again. So he's someone I'm definitely going to be having a a close eye on, and I'm definitely excited and interested to see where he ends Mm -hmm. up going. Like I've seen some people talk about him as like a day three guy. Like I said, just Mm -hmm. change of pace. Like he's just going to be your, you know, your pass catching down back. And I I don't agree with that. I I wish
0: I I could remember who said this because I thought it was pretty, uh, pretty good uh, comp for, for Kyron. I mean, the past two years, he's had 35 catches and 42 catches. So, I mean, this guy is very involved in the passing game. Somebody said this is James White that can actually play running back and punish people as well. So, I think he kind of profiles for that, like James White type role, Naheem Hines type role. But with this physical of a runner this guy is, I think you're going to catch some carries as well, you know. This guy may be the kind of guy that carries the ball eight times and, and, and gets you eight catches as well. So I think he could end up being a unique fantasy asset because of how strong of a pass catcher he is. And because unlike the other guys that are like that, he actually packs quite a punch as a gifted runner. So uh, I, I'm intrigued on where he lands and how he'll be used, but I like his tool, his toolbox.
3: Just the, just the, just the absolute disrespect. Just the disrespect. I don't get people. So we talk about Kyron Williams, right? He's pretty much listed the same as Tyler Beatty uh, in terms of well, pre, uh, um, you know, combine, pre everything else of, of where these guys are listed. And Tyler Beatty just absolutely just blew this guy out of the water. Uh, Kev, real quick, year. you're gonna have
1: to give you're gonna have to so, give people outside of Missouri uh, an introduction to who Tyler Beatty is. You, you can't you can't just come in like that. Well, I just assume everybody knows who Tyler Beatty is. But Tyler Beatty should have won the rightful,
3: what is it, the Doak Walker Campbell Award uh, winner, uh, was the rightful owner of that award, uh, got got snubbed on that. But Tyler Beatty, and has been uh, also one of the big names coming from the Senior Bowl. Everybody's been praising how good he has looked in the Senior Bowl. Um, But Tyler Beatty uh, listed uh, officially from the Senior Bowl at 5'7", 199, uh, was somebody that wasn't getting a whole lot of buzz, but as of recently over the last couple of weeks we've started to see a lot of the bigger names in the industry really hyping up Tyler beatty uh somebody that you know it did take him a little bit of time to get opportunity to really be the the lead back there, but has always been involved as the pass catching back there but this year uh you know sixteen hundred rushing yards eighteen total touchdowns fifty four receptions for 330 and three hundred and thirty receiving yards. Uh, had four games this year of 200 plus yards. Uh, The only running back uh, that has done that. And uh, there's that is a very small list of running backs in the sec that have been able to do something like that. Um, So Tyler Beatty, has been uh, kind of just thrown to the side because because of his size. But when you watch Tyler Beatty play, like he will run over motherfuckers too. Like he plays much bigger than well, what his listed size is. I mean, there's the run that I think a lot of people have posted where he looks like he is engulfed, uh, you know, by three or four runners, uh, you know, and gets away from that and then busts off another thirty plus uh, plus plus yards after that. But obviously, I have watched Tyler Beatty a lot. Um, but Tyler Beatty, uh, coming out of high school, ran a 4-4, uh, coming out of high school as well. So athletic guy, catch the pass out of the backfield. A lot of people have listed as more of a satellite back uh, pass. You know, but like I said, him and Kyron uh, are very similar in terms of what mm-hmm. their listed sizes are. But for some reason, everybody seems to have Kyron just as locked in as the number four running back here. Well, Kyron's an early decelerator. Tyler's not. But, but Tyler Beatty, uh, somebody that is uh, being uh, – for most people don't even have in their top 10, like a lot of people don't even have in their top 10, uh, which is just disrespectful. I know that is not uh, the case here uh, for uh, Christian. Christian does have them in the top 10, which is uh, r- uh, rare for a lot of people. Because a lot of people do not have them that high.
0: Yeah. I honestly think he'll end up around seven for me. I really like Tyler Beatty and like you're mentioning, I mean, he's pretty much an identical prospect to Kyron Williams as far as what they bring to the table, uh, more physical than you would think as a runner, but just a tremendous asset in the, in the passing game. So, I mean, they're very similar prospects, but I think the, the differentiary is again, Kyron Williams is an early declare. A lot of us care about stuff like that. And, you know, Tyler Beatty, you know, four-year player, he did it in the SEC, you know, better competition than what Notre Dame was playing, but Again, Kyron's an early declare. He's been doing it for for years at Notre Dame. But again, I mean, th- these guys are close. You know, it wouldn't Not surprise me if Tyler Beatty ends up better than Kyron Williams. He's an absolute stud, and nobody knows who he is because he plays at Mizzou. I'm not trying to dump on Mizzou, but they're not like a popular school where people are watching Mizzou if you're not a fan, you know.
1: Don't 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 be nice. It's, hey hey whoa! Well, played...
3: well, have you seen the, the recruiting class Mizzou has this year? We don't have time to get into it, but Mizzou—you're right—we don't. Is they got Luther
0: Burden, baby? They got the number one top 10 in the country. <laughs> okay, Look at this guy. Top 10 in the
3: country, you remember yeah. that.
0: Did your boy Basilak transfer out? He 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 ran. He got out of there. Good,
3: good. He looked fucking awful, (laughs) awful. We don't got time to get into this. You're gonna get me going. We're gonna we're I'm I'm gonna start talking about Mizzou. But
1: yes, top ten, top
3: ten recruiting class.
1: Tides are turning. I've never heard Kev talk about Mizzou football until Tyler Beatty and the uh, the number yeah. one recruit. And Cody, I know we're coming. probably
0: running short on time, and there's so many running backs we could talk about, but I don't want you to move on from running back real quick, because I think that's what you're probably about to do, pivot us over to wide receiver. We have to talk about Tyler Algyre from BYU. Me and Kev both love him. This is a guy that was a linebacker to start his career. He's literally only played running back for two years, and this guy is going to run in the four threes at 220. This guy is an athletic freak, and he just ran for 1,600 yards and 23 touchdowns at BYU. Watch this guy's film if you haven't. It's awesome, and I, I, I'm so in on Tyler Algyre. I'm really excited about it.
3: He he has some Javante Williams to him, too, like because Javante Williams is also uh, a converted linebacker, I believe. Um, it's kind of the same story there, um, but – I absolutely loved what I saw from him. And, you know, I'm not somebody who follows college football. So, like, a lot of these guys, when I first jump into them, like, I don't really have any preconceived bias or anything like that with a lot of these guys. Um, I'm not grinding the the Canton-to-Canton circuit uh, or whatever, you know, other weird stuff that you dynasty people play. Um, but, you know, so a lot of the stuff that I, I don't have any bias when I come into this. So, uh, whenever I started watching this guy, I was like, oh, the, the, and I was kind of uh, taking aback. back by i don't think people have them as high i think most people have them around seven or eight something like that so uh you know i thought i was a little bit hot having the top five it was good to know that i have a good company with christian here uh as as well um i will say this um in terms of just uh the other guy that i think that you want to talk about rashad white i don't get the hype with him like he is six foot two 210 pounds older running back 23 years old uh Typically, guys that are that size that are six foot two, uh, typically don't necessarily pan out in the NFL, they run too high. And but he's also not like a big physical guy like a Najee Harris, who is six two, like a Derrick Henry, who's six four. I mean, those guys are big 230, 240, 250, where Rashad White's 210, you know, and so like. I don't know. He's an older prospect. I know there's like a, a differing opinion on him. I know oh, some people love him. Other people aren't as high. I'm not that high on him. He, like I said, that that size of six foot t- two, two ten. Like it's just I don't know. Like it, in the NFL, I think it's a different game. It's and, and guys that that run like that, that are upright runners, just don't typically work out. Um, I will say, obviously, there is something to like with it, with his uh, pass catching work, 43 receptions for him, 456 yards, and a 60% target share. So there is something, uh, you know, there with that. But just his size and, you know, how old he is, older prospect, I don't know. Um, I, I'm sure you guys may like him a little bit more than me, but I will, I'm not as high on him as most people are.
1: Well, he actually came in at the Senior Bowl at six foot, but I still don't get the uh... – so, so, don't get the the hype with him. I, I guess I see it from the standpoint of there aren't a lot of like burners and athletic guys with you know with that top end speed, and he does have some of that. You see him get to the corner; you're not going to catch him. You know, if you take a bad angle against him, he's gone. But you're right, Kevin. Kind of just that that one year of production. He was a D two transfer. And he—he he just one of those guys I—I I, I keep seeing the hype on, and I'm like, okay, like maybe, maybe, but like he—he's definitely not a guy that I'd be wanting to plant a flag on, whatsoever. He, I, I think he's interesting, but he would have to end up in the in the right place. And uh, I'm—I'm I'm just kind of—I'm kind of out on him. Like it, it's still a weird body type. at six foot two ten.
0: I mean, I'm fine with the size. I mean, six two is a, l- a little tall, but I mean, we've seen, we, yeah, I, not a lot of guys, but I, 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 Chris Brown from the Titans back in the day, he reminds me of him a little bit. He was kind of a taller back, um, but this guy took Chip Tranum's job. Like I know you guys aren't big on on college fantasy or anything like this. Diamante Tranum, aka Chip Tranum, uh, for Arizona State is now transferred to Ohio State to play defense because Rashad White just straight up took his job. And this was a guy that was going third round, fourth round in C2C startups last year as a running back. And Rashad White straight up took his job. Um, The the people I know that like live in film watching this type of film all year love Rashad White. So I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I've watched every game Rashad White's played. But people that I trust are obsessed with this guy. Um, And I've seen enough to where I think he will translate enough to the next level to be like, you know, and here's the thing. I don't think he's going to be a starting running back for anybody. But like we were talking about before we went live, Cody, once we get past like all for me, all these guys are guys that are not going to ever be like the, the the one A on their team. They're going to be committee type guys. They're going to be like, you know, contributors like what we got from like Shuba Hubbard and Khalil Herbert last year. You know, when, when you get an injury, can you get 15 points out of these guys? And, you know, I think Rashad White's definitely going to translate to be able to be in the league five, six, seven years. Um, but but again, I've got him at RB6. He's not a guy I'm excited about. Uh, Tyler Beatty, I could easily push over him. But for, for me, like I said, I, I am not a, a, a film grinder. I'll watch film on these guys for a few hours total each. I'm not watching hours and hours of film every day like a lot of people that are really deep into it. Um, I'm really a collector of data. And the way I play dynasty, I, I, I pivot a lot of value. Like I said, I, I am the most active player in every league that I'm in. So for, for my skill set, Rashad White's one of those guys to where, like you said, I'm not planting my flag on him, but I collect a lot of data and enough people I trust are really excited about him. And I've got him, uh, <laughs> look at Kev losing it over there. Uh, this is one of those situations where I've, I've collected enough data from people I trust, and he's kind of inputted into my rankings where he is because there's a, a tier break for me there. And again, like I've prefaced several times on this, a lot's going to change in the next couple months. This class is as unestablished as we've seen. There's going to be a lot of movement as the combine and things like that start happening. But also, I'm usually the ageist. I'm not an ageist at running back. Running back is a one contract asset. If you if you're looking yeah. at running back, thinking you're keeping your running back on your dynasty roster till he's 30, uh, that no, it's a one contract deal. So, Robbie, me and Robbie are probably going to hop on a pod and talk about when to sell running backs in Dynasty. I'm at 25, you're gone. I, I, I'm done with you. You know, I, I'll, I'll recycle and get a guy on his rookie contract. So, do I want Nick Chubb right now? Do I want Javante Williams? Nick Chubb's
1: 25. Get him off my team. Give me the 22-year-old guy, you
0: know.
2: Whew.
1: Last thing here, uh, I'll throw out just the, uh, the the guy that I'm paying attention to in this, ra- in this range is Jerome Ford. Uh came in at the senior bowl five nine two o. Came in at the senior bowl 5'10, 209. You know, quick acceleration, lower the boom. He can run through, shed some tackles. I think he's gonna kind of be like my my day two running back, like I'm really paying attention to. I'm gonna be trying to uh to snag in a lot of like mid to late second round kind of dynasty drafts, depending on you know whether you're you're super flex or not. But Jerome Ford is the guy that I'm gonna be paying attention to, transferred out of Bama went to Cincy and had himself uh, a really nice season this year but we are running a little bit long on time so let's go ahead and go over to i mean th- this is not the group that we want to be going to as we're <laughs> as we're running long on time here do we need to Cause, do a two-parter cuz uh, i it, mean we got it, we got 10 wide receivers to talk about like 10 they might dude. end up being like wide receiver part 1 2 and 3 cuz man <laughs> wh- whatever flavor you like there is a wide receiver here for you uh we don't have to worry about you know just a bunch of like middling kind of a- athletic people here if you want someone who's 6'3 220 athletic we got you you want someone who's 6'1 85 and athletic we got you so th- there's a lot of names we want to get to we'll try and keep this as as brief as possible and like i said we're definitely going to have more in-depth player profiles for you as well but let's let's kick things off uh you guys were both talking beforehand your wide receiver one he was the wide receiver off wide receiver one off the board with travis's uh twitter poll as well and that is Traylon burks out of arkansas he is who i was talking about 6'3, 225 just an absolute size speed freak uh Christian, I know this is someone who you've been talking about. He's someone who's gotten better every single year in terms of the production. He's averaged 16 yards per catch every single year as well. And again, this is Arkansas we're talking about. Not a lot you have to, you know, account for, I guess, in terms of their, their other playmakers. And he did it every single year. So go ahead and wax poetic about him, uh, Christian. The the one thing that I, I will say is that I, I found odd with him. Again, 6'3", 225. of his career snaps from the slot. I'm not knocking him for it. I just, you know, that's obviously not a a size that we're, you know, sliding into the slot, but something, uh, something I just found that was, that was interesting, but go ahead and talk about your guy Burks.
0: Yes. I mean, 6'3", 225, he's going to run in the four threes at the combine. I mean, th- this is like a DK Metcalf type size, speed, just absolute freak that we're talking about here. And I was going to bring up that he played most of his his snaps in the slot, which is unusual for a guy of that size. Usually 6'3", 225, you're thinking that guy's outside. And I mean, it, it, if anyone thinks it's a concern that he can't play outside, that is not the case. The way this guy is used, I mean, it's going to be it's going to. Right now, we're seeing what Debo Samuel's been doing for the 49ers, right? Arkansas uses Burks a lot like that. You know, Debo's a big guy that's a great athlete that is just making it happen from all over the place. Burks had 14 carries out of the backfield this year and averaged eight yards a carry with those. This is the kind of guy that catches a screen and houses it 80 yards at 225 pounds. So, in my opinion, slot receivers get more volume, right? Like you and I were talking about Deontay Johnson and the volume he gets over the middle. Like if Traylon Burks is going to be in the middle of the field getting more volume, I'm excited about that, right? I mean, the, the, imagine if DK Metcalf was seeing like 10 targets a game and getting four or five carries. So that, that's potentially how Trelon Burks can be used. And, and like I said, this guy's 6'3", 225, with 4'3 speed. And, I mean, he's posting like 40% dominator ratings in the SEC at Arkansas. Like, th- this guy is an absolute jumping-off-the-page guy to you, whether you're an analytics guy or a film guy. It's just unbelievable. When you're watching some of those like 80-yard you know, breakaway plays that he has – when, when you remind yourself that he's 225 pounds, it's like, no, no, there's no way. You know, I mean, this guy's just an absolute freak. So some people feel there's a little risk with him because some of the things you brought up. I mean, he's he's not running the route tree or the crispest routes or, you know, he's not creating separation like a Jameson Williams or anything like that. So there are people that have some concerns that he's not going to separate that, you know, everything I just went through there. But this type of size speed freak, we don't see but every five years or so. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not leaving him on the table. I'm getting that guy on my roster and and hoping he'll you know, either figure out the, the route running a little bit better to get up to a Garrett Wilson-type level, or a team will just feed him. Like, Debo Samuel's not a perfect receiver, but guess what? Kyle Shanahan's feeding him, and he's making it happen. So if a team is willing to use Burks like that, I mean, this guy is a, absolutely nuts. Uh,
3: to, to me, people that don't have – a like – it's absolutely ridiculous the some of the stuff that, like, what, like I've seen people have it like wide receiver six, uh, wide receiver five range. Like, that is absolutely ridiculous to me. Uh, there's, listen, there's no Jamar Chase in this class. There's no just absolute slam dunk, like, absolute guy. But Traylon Burks is like the closest to that for me um, in terms of just everything that he brings to the table. And I, I, it doesn't make any sense to me why people, uh, uh, aren't uh, higher on him than what they are. I mean, like you said, I mean he is a very rare specimen in terms of, uh, you know, wide receiver and, you know, that that size-speed combo that, that he brings to the table. And so I, I really don't understand having anybody else ahead of him. Um, I it, I think it's very possible he has a A.J. Brown slash D.K. Metcalf type of, uh, you know, type of trajectory because i he reminds me a lot of both of those guys really jacked up wide receivers very physical um very uh you know speed um so i love treylon burks and to me it is him and then it is the rest of the, uh, the, the these guys in my, in my opinion he's not jamar chase you know he's not that guy uh at all uh but in terms of just like i think just slam dunk can't miss but uh I mean, a lot of people had problems with Jamar Chase too, and thought that said that oh, Jamar Chase can't get separation and, and all this other stuff, and how that was going to be a problem for him in the NFL, and people that wanted to be lower on Jamar Chase, whatever he was coming out, which is absolutely ridiculous. As we know now, that Jamar Chase is just a uh, uh, you know built different, different breed type guy. But there were people that said the same stuff about Jamar Chase, which is ridiculous.
1: Christian, you brought up uh, Garrett Wilson, that's who we're going to talk about next. Listed at six foot one ninety. You know, we, we know the deal with him coming out of Ohio State five touchdowns on just 30 catches as a true freshman saw his role and production increase every year in a loaded wide receiver room and someone who we're going to talk about here and a couple of players transferred out of this Ohio State receiving room because guys like Wilson and Olave and Jackson Smith and Jigba was not getting the uh, the playing time over him but what I, what I really like about him, you were talking about his routes, Christian. Uh, really good in the open field, used everywhere, inside, outside, used on motion. You know, s- saw a lot of a lot of his usage in some unique and creative ways as well. Every level of the field, you know, screens deep down the field, in the middle of the field as well. Good body control, you know, already polished as a, as a route runner. Uh, there are some concerns with him in terms of his physicality and size, as you know, as he's running routes and things of that nature, but wilson i really like uh where do you guys have him in your rankings and what what are your thoughts overall on wilson
0: i've got him wide receiver too i mean kind of like what you're saying you got a little long-winded there going through his traits because he's he's quite frankly great at 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 everything um he's just a very natural fluid smooth wide receiver um he's a better athlete than people think too because he just does everything so efficiently like it it's just so smooth looking. It looks like it's in slow motion almost because he's playing everything so flawlessly. So, like you said, he he can run a full route tree. he He can line up absolutely anywhere on the field. I mean, this is just a, a technician that is going to, you know, get out of his breaks quick, run, run beautiful routes, has solid hands. And, and like I said, he could be used anywhere on the field. So he's probably the safest bet in the draft. People that have Wilson over Burks, they'll go through all of that with you and be like, look, you know, Burks is route tree. Burks is separation. Burks is, oh, you know, people have concerns on Burks, like, you know, seven on seven type stuff. Right. Garrett Wilson is flawless at all that stuff. So the people that are willing to pass on the generational like athleticism that, that Burks has are going to go to Garrett Wilson because he's safe. He's, he's fundamental. And I mean, it is just, uh, you know, there's, you can't really say anything bad about the guy. Like if I challenged you as a Penn state fan, Cody, to be like, tell tell me what's terrible about Garrett Wilson. Like you'd probably be like, uh,
1: yeah, his Jersey. Yeah.
0: Like he, he's just solid across the
1: board. So. Do you have any thoughts on Wilson?
3: No, I don't have anything else to add to what you guys already, that you already said about him. Um, I think that's, uh, yeah, you know, this this class is interesting because I think he's uh, cause the next guy. I believe that you'll talk about, which I assume is Jamison Williams from Alabama. Um, you know, is I, I think is a much better athlete than what he is. Uh, probably the best, um, probably the best deep uh, the deep ball or deep deep threat in, in this class. I have so the only concerns I would have with Jameis Williams is, is is very similar to what you would talk about with like a Henry Ruggs. Where, you know, is he just more of a straight line guy, somebody that you're not going to ask to be a, uh, you know, go across the middle, contested catch type player, um, you know, with his size, 6'2", 189 and his frame. Um, Now, the the tough part with him is uh, you, you have some stuff built, baked in with him because he tore his ACL in the national title game. That's obviously going to ding him a little bit. He is going to drop. Um, because of that, because, you know, even by the time the season comes around, it'll, it'll be well less than a year coming off that injury. So who knows what he, what he looks like. Does he have to have a, a red shirt type year in the NFL? Um, and really, you know, not until year two that he, he really takes off. I know a lot of people love Jameson Williams. A lot of people have Jameson Williams as wide receiver one in this class um uh, among all these wide receivers obviously you also love to see that his involvement in the special teams we, we see a lot of these wide receivers that you know uh guys that who are involved in the special teams uh really uh you know um take off in the nfl 79 receptions last year 1500 yards 15 touchdowns from alabama uh you know it's absolute shame that he tore his acl uh but You know, I've seen him, again, kind of be a guy who's been mocked all over the place, all the way from as high as 10, 11. And I've seen him go, you know, as late as, you know, second round. Um, I think some of that's because of the injury that that, that he's coming off of with the ACL tear. But Jamison Williams... uh, I think is somebody that I think in the right system uh, can um, end up being a very solid wide receiver.
0: Yeah. I mean, with Jamison, all you're going to hear with him is separation, separation, separation. I mean, th- this guy gets away from his defender so fast. I mean, th- there's multiple feet, multiple yards in between him and the defender when, whenever he gets into his route. I mean, this guy gets, he, he is the fastest wide receiver in this class for sure. If he was able to run at the combine, we may have saw a four two something with this guy. I mean, this guy is absolutely a speed freak, And I think he's much better than Ruggs at like the the route running aspect. Like this guy is just such a technician of getting wide open. I think he's closer to like at least the year he was putting up with Alabama. It it very much in my mind is very much like Devontae Smith's season last year. I mean, it was dominant. We're talking 20 yards of reception, 15 touchdowns. I mean, this guy absolutely lit up the SEC this year. And like I said, the the film people that, that I trust the most feel that this guy can separate better than anyone and you can see it on film i mean there's yards in between him and the defender when he's getting into these routes so for me that's a trait that translates to the nfl so well um, I, I, I'm not concerned that he transferred from Ohio state. I mean, we know the, the wide receivers of Ohio state, Wilson, Olave J- Jackson, Smith, Jake was the best of the three of them. Even. So, I mean, it, with recruiting the way it is nowadays, that just happens sometimes fields had to leave Georgia because he was behind Jake Fromm. I mean, that's just the way the business of college football is nowadays. It's not that James Williams isn't good. The guy's an absolute freak. Um, so for me, I love the separation. I've got him neck and neck with the next guy we'll talk about, but I value the the separation that uh Jameson brings to the table over the the trait that the next guy we'll talk about has. Yeah,
1: you know, obviously uh Alabama's wide receiver room wasn't as settled, but it it's just so wild to go from a load to transfer from a loaded room in Ohio State and land at Alabama, what well, Christian they had. Four like five star, four star kids coming into this. Uh, obviously, coming in as freshmen, but like it's mm. not like that. It's like he went from Ohio State to you know, Toledo Midu or something or like that. Yeah. Or, or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Whoa! Excuse the fuck out of me. Well, I, I just, let's just slide that in there about Mizzou. Okay. Hey, listen. Hey, Nurel Mizzou Green put
0: Doriel Green, in Green Beckham Mizzou, in the NFL. Okay? Man,
3: you, you fucking remember that? <laughs> yeah. All right.
0: Yeah, uh, usually it's Jameson me Williams. taking stabs at Mizzou because they're in the SEC East.
1: I haven't said nothing bad about Mizzou today. Well, I I the, I, I the couldn't, disrespect the could, disrespect. Couldn't couldn't help myself. Yeah, Jameson Williams, speed for days, big time playmaker can be used for him wherever it's it's gonna be really interesting to see where he ends up. I guess, you know, obviously a lot of that depending on medicals although acls you know aren't what they used to be you know uh, yeah and it seems
0: like the nfl draft circles aren't overly concerned i mean maybe he slips five to ten spots but i mean he's still going to go in the first round the nfl is aware of the the speed that this guy brings to the table the acl is as routine as it gets nowadays isn't it (laughs) so
3: yeah and i I, I, i've seen some mocks with uh him going to the chiefs um which would be a steal for them because they're definitely a team that needs a wide receiver but obviously with the speed everything else he brings to the table. I want to ask you guys about the uh, Drake London because he's kind of an interesting prospect from USC, 6'5", um, had a great breakout age, just absolutely dominated in terms of contested catch. Like, he only played in eight games and had more contested catches than any wide receiver in the country in only eight games, right? Um, just dominated. But, like, is there any concern? Because, like, I remember a lot of people talking about, like, uh, Josh Doxson, right? and kind of said the same stuff about him. Very much a contested catch freak. Um, you know, had that my ball mentality. Really loved Josh Doxon. And obviously, uh, we know that Josh Doxon never panned out. But uh, Drake London's a little bit different. Uh, if I remember correctly, Josh Doxon was a uh, a much older prospect as well. Whenever he came out, Drake London, I think, just just barely 20 years old. So, um, obviously, that's not as big of a concern with Drake London. Coming off the ankle injury as well, but... Um, is that anything that you guys are worried about with Drake London? Or are you guys all in on Drake London?
0: I'm all in on Drake London. Um, I mean, it's easy at 6'5 to just go straight to, oh, this guy's the next Mike Evans. But that's what it kind of looks like, man. This guy had 11 catches a game this year. <laughs> like, And I don't know if you've watched this film yet. But, I mean, this dude, like you said, the contested catches, th- this guy is absolutely just, like, dunking on everyone. It- it's just it- – he looks like a man amongst children in the Pac-12. And, you know – I knew he was a big body guy coming into this year, but he had never had broken 600 yards receiving coming into this season. So he was a guy that I was going to have ranked around five, six in this class, even if he didn't break out like he did last year, just because of the, the, the freak that he is and and like the recruiting pedigree he had and everything like that. But I mean, the year he put together this year was absolutely insane. USC had a quarterback that lost his job. Gidon Slovis lost his job to to Jackson Dart. It was kind of a mess there at the beginning of the year. And the only consistent was, okay, USC's getting their ass kicked. Oh, Drake London has 200 yards receiving today. What do you know? The next week, so okay, Keon Slovis is getting pulled. He must be having a bad day. Oh, Drake London has 180 yards receiving and three touchdowns. That's cool. You know, it's like no matter what was happening for USC, the consistent was Drake London had 11 catches and 150 yards and three touchdowns that day, like every day. So I was just overwhelmed by what I saw this year. The injury is not anything serious, so – I'm more on board that maybe we have the next Mike Evans here uh, rather than a, a Vincent Jackson or even worse like a, I remember James Hardy from Indiana that six foot six guy that didn't do anything like you know that's the that's the range of outcomes I mean he could be James Hardy for all we know you know but I, I tend to think he's closer uh, to, to Mike Evans
1: yeah I'm normally not a, a fan of comps especially when comps come in at the high end like a, like a Mac, a Mike Evans but there are a lot of shades. Of Mike Evans to, to this guy's game. And the crazy thing with him, yeah, obviously eight games this year like you guys keep saying, 88 catches, almost 1100 yards, seven touchdowns. The crazy thing with him is there is still room for him to grow in terms of his uh his football acumen, you know, and learning and the the details and the nuances of playing receiver because he was playing both football and basketball. At USC, up until this year, when he just decided to go all in on football and stop playing basketball. But yeah, man, I'm I'm a I'm a sucker for the you know these big kind of wide receivers, these big body guys. And he obviously you know 210, five two ten. We're not talking about him and the, the athletic specimen of a of a Burks or a DK Metcalf or anything like that. But it, he's not slow. You know what I mean? Like, is he going to be someone who rips off a bunch of you know seventy yard touchdowns or anything like that? No. But I do see him more in a Mike Evans vein where it's, you know, not a lot of yards after cash, but, you know, just a beast on the sideline, you know, able to to shed tackles off of him. There was a play against Notre Dame where it was like a screen and his momentum was taking him backwards. And there was a defender on top of him like right away, like literally hanging on hanging off of his back just nonchalantly, casually, just like, you know rips his shoulder to the side and just ends up making a, a big gain out of it so the the dude is just an absolute monster and I'm, uh, I, I'm I'm really excited to see where he ends up going and what kind of landing spot he gets I, I'd really like to see him with a a good like back shoulder kind of you know kind of quarterback like a you know obviously at, this is at the top of the top but like mm. an Aaron rodgers Tom Brady just in terms of uh, placement I guess um would, would love to see him with with somebody like that.
3: I felt like he really – I don't know about you guys, but he really reminded me more of Cortland Sutton uh, just about watching him yeah, and what he brings to the table. That's a
0: good one there, too. Sutton's taller than people realize. He's a real lanky type guy. But Sutton at SMU, I mean, he was good, but, like, he, he wasn't dominant like this. Like, Drake London, like, literally looks like he's playing against Little League people out there. Like, it's – it's unbelievable. Well, violence, I think I think
3: it also should be taken into consideration too when we talk about these guys that like if so like say Drake London goes out and runs a four five like at six foot five that is still a very impressive mm-hmm. number to be putting up. Oh in yeah, place. you know. What I, so mm-hmm. I I mean so like I no I, I don't think that he is going to be a a guy who goes out and runs a four or three, but that doesn't matter. He doesn't need to at his size. Yeah.
1: So next up, let's talk about David Bell out of Purdue, 6'2", 205". Came out hot out the gate as a uh, as a true freshman had uh, Rondell Moore playing alongside of him went for eighty six uh, one thousand thirty five yards and seven touches got injured halfway through his sophomore year but then junior year came right back was the same guy that we saw him as his uh, as his freshman year as well ninety three catches this year almost thirteen hundred yards and six scores the big thing I like about him here. Similar to uh, Traylon Burks, the only show at that school, and defenses still, you know, still couldn't stop him. Uh, aggressive, you know, wh- another one of these good, uh, you know, contested catch kind of receivers. He's not particularly dynamic or like super athletic, but like I said, I-, I-, I like his aggressive playing style. I think he'd be a really good number two beside a beside an alpha. You know, I mean, maybe some- somewhere like. Minnesota, you know, if, if they were to go out and get a receiver to help, you know, replace a, an, an aging Adam Thielen, you know, somebody like that. But uh, Christian, go ahead and kick us off your thoughts on David Bell, and then we'll start throwing out some names of, of some guys we're excited about outside mm-hmm. of this top five.
0: David Bell is a lot kind of like what we talked about Brees Hall. He's just good at everything, and and he's been extremely productive. I mean, he averages over 100 yards a game for his career at Purdue. You mentioned that crazy freshman breakout that he had playing alongside Rondell Moore, where he put up over 1,000 yards as a true freshman. Um this guy's 6'2 205. So, I mean, good size. Coming off of Drake London, it sounds like he's a small guy, but six two two zero five, he's one of the bigger wide receivers in this class. Um, but he he's not gonna wow anybody at the combine. Like I said, he's not gonna run, you know, a 4340 or anything like that. But he he is just fundamentally sound as it comes, balanced, does everything right, he's been productive. He he, like I like I said with Garrett Wilson, is just a safe bet. Uh, like, there's no way you can convince me that David Bell is still not playing in the NFL in seven, eight years. Like, he's not one of these guys that's going to flame out of the league. He is just good at everything. He's he's probably never going to be a wide receiver one. He's going to be a glorified like career long wide receiver two. Now, that's what you're hoping for with him. But I mean, he's a safe pick in my opinion. He's he's he can fit onto NFL, any NFL team, so we're sitting here talking about okay. It'd be great if this guy went here. It'd be great if this guy went here. If any of the thirty-two teams uh, drafted David Bell to be their wide receiver too, we we're, we're good with it in fantasy. He's just a, a consistent kind of boring, you know, wide receiver two that we can rely on.
3: You know, he what really, he really reminds me of. Um, I mean, because if you look at him, he had a forty-three point five percent college dominator, which is fantastic. Eighteen point seven breakout age, uh, which is also excellent. Thirty percent target share uh, over his career there. And he really reminds me of Rashad Bateman. Like, that's Rashad Bateman was kind of thought about in the same main last year. There wasn't, mm-hmm. I mean, there was people like, yeah, I, re- I like Rashad Bateman, but he's not in this range. Like, he's, he's like four or five for me. Like, he's just kind of there. I like Rashad Bateman. That, that's who he really feels like in this class. Like, he's kind of the Rashad Bateman of this class. Where it's like nobody's like overly excited about David Bell. Everybody kind of has him at, you know, wide receiver three or four or five, depending on where you uh, or I should say, wide receiver four or five. But that's kind of where he feels like to me that, like, where he is coming in for most people. Like, oh, I'm going to put him here. He's a safe option, you know, and let's just move on.
0: Yeah, I feel like there's a pretty good tier gap after that top four. Like, I've not seen really anyone have him ahead of London or Jameson or Wilson or, or Burks, but I feel like he is pretty much consistently leading that next group. Um, and, and there was a once upon a time where this guy could have been the wide receiver one in this class after that freshman breakout. I mean, we were we were talking about this guy for two or three years now. Um, but again, he just lacks the, the elite athletic trait that's going to get you drafted that high. But but like Kev said, he's kind of filling that Rashad Bateman. Um, I think Rashad Bateman's a better player than David Bell, to be clear. But kind of his spot in this year's class, right? You know, yeah, He's yeah, Kind yeah. of floating in that five I'm not five range. Him to
3: the player, but yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. They're similar enough. Uh, Bateman, I think, is better. But yeah, he's kind of holding that spot right there. Last year, it was after Chase and Waddle and these guys. Like he's he that that's exactly who he is in this class. So, and again, like last year, Bateman got hurt. You, you know, we didn't get to see it. But when he played, I think it, you know, Bateman looked like a pretty solid wide receiver from some of the stuff we saw out of him so um you know
3: i i, I think for me the the, the other guy that I, I really like george pickens uh you know obviously he tore his acl march of last year um so he did not really play this year because he was coming off that injury kind of came back at the very end of the year played in a few games but uh nothing to be said but this is a guy who's a four or five star prospect six three two hundred pounds um Posted a 32% college job. I know some of that is because of this year, uh, but he also, you know, 18 and a half uh, breakout age. And like, I feel like this is going to be lazy, and I don't like doing this. But like, it does. He he does have some like AJ Green to him when you're watching. Him. And like, it's I'm like I don't want to say that because AJ Green also played at Georgia, and it just feels like you're just you know typecasting him there. Because, but but. Like I think George Pickens is somebody that's being a little bit slept on in this class. Somebody that has the pedigree that was coming out. Um, so I like George Pickens quite a bit. Um, I, I very easily, I kind of have him right now. I believe at wide receiver five, um, and so I like George Pickens, uh, quite a bit. And I've just noticed that he seems, a lot of people seem to be a little bit more down on him. I don't know if that's because of him coming off the injury that he came off of, but let's be honest. I mean, George is not a prolific passing offense. They're much more of a run first offense, you know? So, you know, the numbers that he has isn't, are, isn't going to be gaudy by any I means. By some level, I think that you get account that, you know, the fact that he was playing in that offense with uh, terrible quarterback play, um, really could, uh, was really kind of holding him back. And maybe this is a guy, you know, if he was somewhere else, was in a like a, you know, a much better quarterback situation that we mm. people would be having a different opinion on George Pickens.
0: Yeah, I agree that the injury combined with the fact that Georgia throws the ball like 10 times a game, people are not really getting to see what a freak that Pickens is. <laughs> but a lot, like I said about Wilson, the smoothness at which this guy plays wide receiver, it looks like he was just born to play wide receiver. It's just so natural to him. Um, he, he's an absolute stud. Another guy I want to talk about and kind of what, what Kev said about the the uh, Bell taking Bateman's spot in this year's class, uh, Rondell Moore of this year's class is Wandell Robinson out of Kentucky, uh, formerly of Nebraska. And this is a little guy. It, depending on where you're looking, he, he's listed as 5'10", 5'11", some places. But if you look at pictures of this guy, there's actually a picture of him and Rondell Moore together <laughs> after a game. And I think this guy's about 5'8", 5'9". Uh, I I think the Kentucky was doing him a little favors on the on the on the height there. But so this is a small guy. Um, and when you look at his numbers, it's pretty interesting. Nebraska really used him like a like a Swiss Army knife. Uh-huh. He was carrying the ball a ton at Nebraska on the ground. As a freshman at Nebraska, he had eighty-eight carries on the ground and forty catches receiving. Followed that up his sophomore year with forty-six carries on the ground and fifty-one catches. So then he transfers to Kentucky, and Kentucky's like, we're going to feature this guy as our wide receiver one, and he only has seven carries, so they're not using him out of the backfield like Nebraska was. But he puts up 104 catches for 1,334 yards um, in the SEC last year at Kentucky just out of nowhere, and he still showed that dynamic athleticism that we saw in Nebraska with him being used all over the place. But we also saw this guy being an incredible deep threat. Uh, Will Levis, Kentucky's quarterback, was getting a little, you know, future NFL draft buzz beginning of the year. They really started hot. And, man, some of these uh, – he did used to play for Penn State. Um, but Probably better than Sean Clifford, honestly. Uh, Um, (laughs) But, yeah, Levis to Robinson was just a beautiful thing to watch this year. And I'm now a believer that Wanda Robinson can be used more as a traditional wide receiver at the NFL level. And still kind of, you know, sneak in there and get some carries um, as well from the background that he's shown with that in Nebraska. So this is a guy I think that, you know, kind of the opposite of what I said about David Bell. There's going to be an offensive coordinator and a head coach out there that look at this guy and they're like, man, imagine if we could use this guy here, use this guy here. The right coach, if they get a hold of this guy. Um, is going to be tremendous with him. And that's kind of the same thing we were saying about Rondale last year, right? We were like, man, if the right coach can get a hold of this guy and use him right, we're going to be excited. So this year's Rondell Moore is Wandale Robinson at Kentucky, and I like him a little better than Rondell Moore from last year because I think he's better uh, downfield as a traditional wide receiver. Do
1: you think we get the – is he the next Debo Samuel?
0: No, no, he's not that size. Traylon Burks will get the Debo Samuel comps because he's a bigger guy. Uh, Wondell Robinson's like five, five, nine, you know, one, one seven. He's a little guy, you know. <laughs>
3: That's good. That's going to be the thing that we hear a lot from a lot of people is uh, who's the next Debo Samuel? Because, of what yeah, Debo that'll Samuel be the trendy is. thing this year. I mean,
0: Debo yes. just came out of nowhere and just killed everyone this year. So,
3: well, we just don't typically see wide receivers either get the kind of carries that that, that he was getting. I mean, there towards the last half, second half of the season, I mean, he was getting eight to ten carries on, you know, every single game, which yeah. is. You know, we see wide receivers get utilized in that manner, like Robert Woods, every you know, but not to that level. But now yeah. that's gonna be the Trinity thing. I wonder if
0: Raheem Mostert was about. healthy and Trey Sermon didn't suck if that would have still happened, or if that was just kind of a situational deal. I
3: mean, I don't know. Elijah yeah. Mitchell still always uh, getting twenty, twenty five, you know, thirty carries a game. So mm-hmm. Well, uh, you know, he
0: likes to use four backs <laughs> most of the time.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. So <laughs> Uh, Cody, are you going to talk to us about the uh, the Penn State, uh, Jahan Dotson? Is that, is, that where, is that where we're going?
1: I mean, I thought one of you guys would. So, I Well, would I feel like, like p- yeah,
0: if, if Cody doesn't want to talk about we'll talk about two guys together. Chris Olave and Jahan Dotson are the two Big Ten guys that are not early declares. They're both four-year players, and they're both just like fundamentally sound guys that get open and catch the ball and don't really wow you past that. Um, Chris Olave is going to be a hot name that you may see in people's top fives and stuff because he's been a name we've known for a while. We thought he was coming out last year. I thought Chris Olave for sure was entering the NFL draft last year, would have been a second-round pick, probably would have been wide receiver, six or seven in last year's class. But, again, at wide receiver, I am ageist and I am uh, anti-senior. You must be an early declare at wide receiver uh, unless you, like, want to win the Heisman like Devontae Smith, and then you'll get forgiven. But if you're just a normal guy like Jahan Dotson who – Cody, you probably have his stats pulled out. I don't even think he's ever touched a 1,000 yards, has he? He's been productive, but has he ever had that that true – he did this year. Yeah, so he had, he had 11, 1,100 yards. Yeah, yeah, he had 1,100 yards, yards this year.
3: receptions, 12 touchdowns.
0: Yeah. yeah, so a tremendous year for him this year. But, but again, it took him till his senior year to put together that kind of year. He was still pretty good last year, 884 with eight. Um, splitting with Parker Washington as well, who's a, a younger wide receiver for Penn State that I like a ton in the 23 class. But – Olave and Dotson, to me, are very, very similar. Like I said, they played in the same conference. They both played at you know, two of the best schools in that conference, and they're both just fundamentally sound, efficient guys that were great college players. Um, I think they're both going to have a role in the NFL, but they're wide receiver threes, in my opinion, um, at the NFL level rather than game changers.
3: I think it's interesting to Chris Olave because I actually think that he's a much better athlete than what uh, – Than what the his counterpart is at Garrett Wilson. I mean, if you you saw uh, like uh, when I was looking into Chris Olave, like a lot, I I saw a lot of people talking about him and saying that like most players at the school said that Chris Olave was the best athlete on that team, and and so that and believe that he's going to definitely run a four three for sure um, coming up and and into the coming now the four three or the. The 40-yard dash is obviously not everything in in, in terms of, you know, these guys. Uh, He did have an excellent breakout age of 19.2, which is 85th percentile, uh, a decent college dominator of 39.1 – or 39.9, excuse me, uh, 65 receptions, 936 receiving yards, 13 touchdowns this year. I think he's going to be a probably late uh, second-round pick, uh, probably go somewhere in the second round uh, to a team. And I think, you know, depending on where he lands and how he's utilized – I think he could end up being a solid you know, wide receiver two, wide receiver three.
0: Yeah, I definitely like Olave better than Dotson. Um, I don't think Dotson has wide receiver two potential. I do think Olave does, but to me, they're similar. Like, where do you have Olave, Kev? I've got him at wide receiver eight.
3: Uh, I have him at wide receiver seven right now. Seven. Okay, so, so we're yeah. pretty
0: close on him. You probably have Robinson behind him, and I have Robinson ahead of him, right? That's probably the differential. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So, we're pretty close there, Ms. Um, Dotson your wide receiver nine? All yes. right. Well, we're on the same page there then. The only other receiver I wanted to talk about before we had like a pretty big tier break till we're getting to late thirds in our rookie drafts is uh, Sky Moore from Western Michigan. Have you dove, dove into him yet?
3: He's been kind of the hot name, uh, I think, uh, this year from Western Michigan. Uh, you know, um, 94 receptions, 1,200 yards. 10 touchdowns. I have not dove into it uh, dove into much so i'm not going to sit here and claim that i have but i know he's kind of in the name that everybody's really been hyping up uh mm-hmm. so far this year yeah
0: yeah he's, he's one kind of those of to dig a- into small school guy western michigan but again they produce cory davis so the Dwayne eskridge i mean they put guys into the league um but yeah check check out sky moore's film he's been tremendously productive again at a smaller school though Uh smaller wide receiver but you know kind of in that elijah moore mold um but yeah ch- check him out i think he's going to be the 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 smaller school guy that really pops into this upper group so uh he's the only one that i wanted to, to mention outside of the the guys we're leaving on the table but there's still another 10 guys i could talk about this is a very deep wide receiver class this year
1: i feel like sky Moore has been like the the analytics twitter kind of guy who who I, i've mm-hmm. seen a lot of a lot of those uh the the, the you know all Christian, you were talking about you know the analytics versus film Twitter. I mm-hmm. think that's been kind of analytics Twitter uh, guy here early on, or at least that's what I've seen the most people talk about on kind of that side of the aisle, if you mm-hmm. will, uh, bring him up. But I, I have not dove into to his film yeah. just and, yet. And, but. For,
0: and for our listeners, too, kind of what Kev brought up, like Kev doesn't play Campus to Canton or Debbie or, or even Dynasty. Like Kev is not focusing on the guys outside of Mizzou and the guys that are like on SEC and Ohio State. You know, he's not really paying attention to Western Michigan during the year. You know, those of us playing campus to Canton, we're we're starting those guys. You know what I'm saying? They're putting up numbers. We, You know, so those type of guys, that's where I recommend, like, using some resources that really specialize in that kind of stuff. Like, I love the campus to Canton guys. Those guys do a tremendous job covering those small school dudes, you know, find, find your information on these guys. Just don't be like, Oh man, I saw that guy's name on Twitter. I should draft him. Like, look into it. There's a ton of resources we have out there nowadays. And a lot of people actually covering small school college football nowadays. So dive into sky more because you can a couple of years ago, you wouldn't have been able to, you know, use the resources that we have available
1: to us now. I know these guys aren't up your alley Christian, but, uh, so some guys that are at the the senior bowl that I've seen get some hype for, for one reason or another, that I, I still definitely need to dive into. But guys, you know, you were mentioning there's still have 10 other names. And then you still have guys like Jalen Tolbert, Khalil Shakir, Romeo Dows, guys like that who have mm-hmm. been making uh, a name. And there's a uh, an old Miss kid who got called up from what, like the the East West Shrine game or the, the NFL PA mm-hmm. bowl. I think you probably know the name better than it's I do. It's Ontario played. Drummond. Okay. Is that who is that's been getting the hype? <clears throat> uh, I haven't heard any hype for Drummond.
0: Drummond's like no, a, no, a no, uh, Braylon Sanders. Braylon Sanders. Braylon Sanders. Sanders. Okay, I got you. Yeah, I'm definitely not in on Braylon Sanders. Uh, I think Brandon <sighs> Lejeune likes Braylon Sanders a little bit, but I'm not in on any of the Ole Miss wide receivers currently. I liked Jonathan Mingo a little bit coming into last year, but he kind of disappointed a little bit. Uh, my favorite pass catcher on Ole Miss now is the tight end they just got from USC, Michael Trigg. Yeah. Uh, was a package with DART, but yeah, we're, we're getting two in the college weeds here. Um, but yeah, some other names. You mentioned the other small school guys there. You mentioned uh, Jalen Tolbert from South Alabama, Khalil Shakir from yep. Boise State. I think you said R- Romeo Dobbs from Nevada as well. But then you got some like bigger named guys uh, that, that have just slipped over the years. Justin Ross is in this draft class. Remember that freshman year where wow. he had a thousand yards at Clemson? Yeah. Justin Ross is in this draft class. but We haven't even talked about him. Who would have thought that a couple years ago, you know? But he had that devastating injury. Um, John Mechie has been Alabama's, you know, very productive wide receiver the past couple of years. He's, you know, he's anywhere from wide receiver, like 10 to 15 in this class, maybe even later than that for some people. So there's some big school names that are, you know, down towards wide receiver 20. And some of these guys that most of our listeners have never heard of like Romeo Dobbs and Khalil Shakir that are going to go ahead of those guys. So it's, it's interesting, you know, uh, and that's what I love about this time of year and why I love dynasty football so much is. I feel like most people have a grasp of those top guys we talked about in the first round, but once you get like past the second round of a dynasty rookie draft, like that third round and even the fourth round, if you have one, I mean, that's where this type of work really comes into play. Like how do we separate Jerome Ford, Tyler Beatty, you know, all those guys, how do we separate Justin Ross, John Mechie from these small school guys? You know, that's where we really got to dive in and, and, you know, figure this stuff out the next couple months. So.
3: And at least we get a combine this year uh, to get a little bit more official numbers because, as we know, the argument between pro day and obviously combine is such a you know uh, you know a lot uh-huh. of teams will uh, uh, set their guys up for success at the pro day. So obviously, I'm happy that we're actually going to get a combine this year. Um, so I am looking forward to that, which is not even that far away. It's what less than a month away now, uh, yeah, from where we crazy. stand, where this is out. Like uh, this is all going to move really quickly because you have. Uh, you know, Super Bowl in a couple of weeks. But right after that, I mean, you have a combine that's two weeks after that. And then two weeks after that, we'll start free agency. And uh, so we'll get, you know, at least some answers there uh, for, you know, w- you know, what positions are open and, you know, stuff like that, and what landing spots we want to see some of these guys go to. And then the draft will be shortly after that. So, uh, you know, uh, I think, for me, I think at least uh, just kind of my initial go through of these guys, like it seems like the wide receiver, or, or definitely the wide receiver, is kind of the crown jewel in terms of fantasy, anyways, uh, of this class. Um, you know, you have the tight end position, which I am not going to uh, sit here and talk about any of these guys because I have not looked at them. But there's not a uh, Kyle Pitts in this year's class, you know, at all. And so uh, the wide receivers, I, I don't, I don't think the wide receivers as uh, you know, it, it doesn't have that. Jamar Chase type guy where, like, uh, you know, transcendent talent, in my opinion. But I think it's just as deep, or if not maybe possibly even a little bit deeper than last year's class was. And last year's class was excellent. Though, uh, uh, you know, we did have guys like Tutu Atwell that was drafted in the second round last year that uh, did absolutely nothing. But I I will say this, though. It was interesting because consistently last year you saw a lot of the big-name uh, guys who do the mock drafts like Dale Jeremiah, who are extremely connected to the NFL, had him mocked like into the mm-hmm. first or second round, and people were just blown away like, how, where, what, what is this? Like, uh, this guy's crazy for having him here. But those are things to pay attention to because he obviously did. He went in the second round, and people were shocked. And mm-hmm. uh though the Rams were idiots because, I mean, Tutu Atwell did uh, absolutely. Nothing this year was active mm-hmm. for like eight games. I don't even think he had a target, never played, didn't do absolutely anything. But you know, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I, I just, I just want to uh, that is something to be monitoring, I guess, through this is uh, paying attention to a lot of these guys who are connected to, you know, kind of get some ideas of where these guys or what the NFL really thinks about some of these guys because we can think whatever we want. Uh, it, it really all that matters is what the fucking NFL thinks. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that.
0: Yeah. That's kind of what I was talking about with Kenny Pickett. Like, you know, none of us are over here like, woohoo, Kenny Pickett. But Mel Kuyper's up there. Hey, Kenny Pickett's going first in this draft. So it's like, Mel Kiper talks to the NFL teams. He talks to the GMs. So, like, what he's hearing is different than what we're hearing in the fantasy circles. You know, if Mel Kiper is telling us, hey, this guy's going in round one, he's probably going in round one. His sources are better than ours, you know. And that was nuts last year. I remember we were seeing those mocks. We were like, no way. Like, We were, like, tossing people's credibility because they had Tutu Atwell in the second round of their mock. But it's like, hey. They have different types of sources than we have. We can look at it and think this is ludicrous, but he's clearly got some information that somebody's going to draft him. So we need to pay attention to that stuff. Like as we get close to the draft, look at your specific draft experts, not fantasy analysts, like look at your draft experts and see what type of draft capital these guys are going to get because a lot of times it's it's pretty close because they're getting quality information from the NFL.
1: So. Absolutely. Keep it locked in here as well. We're going to have a bunch of player profiles starting to come out for you all. Going to be doing all the, the mocks you can handle for, for Dynasty, for Superflex. Probably do an NFL mock the the way that we did last year as well. Had a lot of fun with that. So make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. This with that sub on YouTube as well. And we'll talk to you all soon.
2: Closing time.